Hello and welcome to the Decorum Talking Newspaper for the week ending Saturday the 24th of June 2023. Today the news is brought to you by Team 4. This is Andrew, the team leader, and your other readers are Jane, Mary and Samida, who is going to join DTN as a relief reader, so our welcome to Samida. Mary is the editor this week. Most of our news items are taken from the Hemel Hempstead, Berkhamsted and Tring Gazette and Express newspaper. All telephone numbers are on the local code of 01442, unless stated otherwise. The headlines this week are Ukraine Drive, fourth time with medical and humanitarian supplies, decrease in town centre crime after crackdown, and Violin Maker receives British Empire Medal. These and other stories follow. Here is the news. Hello, my name is Jane. County Councillor Paul Zukovsky is heading back to Ukraine for the fourth time with a lorry full of medical and humanitarian supplies. Councillor Zukovsky, Lib Dem, who is also leader of Wellen Hatfield Borough Council, has already made three journeys to the country with aid since the invasion by Russian forces in 2022. And on Saturday, June 17th, he started what will be a six-day mission to take generators, medical supplies and other aid to Kiev in a truck that he has purchased specifically to transport aid. Once in Kiev, the items will be distributed by others to the areas and regions where they are needed, where Councillor Zukovsky says they will make a huge difference. The generators, collected by Surrey stands with Ukraine, are expected to be taken to areas affected by flooding as a result of the destruction of the Kakova Dam. Meanwhile, medical aid, including resuscitation kits, syringe needles and vomit bowls, will be taken to a hospital in an area to the north of the dam, which is believed to be under particular pressure. If you have an area flooded, if you have a home flooded, none of the electrics will work. No power, no lighting, nothing to cook on, says Councillor Zukovsky. If there's a generator, you also have the power to charge a mobile phone and have networking ability. Hello, my name is Mary. Councillor Zukovsky made his first journey to Ukraine in May 2022, when he was involved in handing aid directly to those affected on the ground. He was struck by the experiences of the people he met, in particular by a young man with cerebral palsy who survived a bomb attack in the cellar of his home but lost the wheelchair he needed to move around. He also points to the people he met from Kharkiv who had left their city with nothing and nowhere to go. And it was during that trip that he decided he had to return to do more. Since then, he has been struck by the surprising reaction of the people he meets there. A huge number of people are just really happy to see us, he says. A lot of people on the ground feel like they have been forgotten, so they are just really pleased to see you and pleased that you have come to help. They are a very resilient people and they will survive whether we take the aid or not. It will make their lives much easier, though, and they see that we still care and remember that they are there. On Saturday, Councillor Zukovsky and co-driver Stuart Barnes will set out on the 2,500-mile journey under the umbrella of Vans Without Borders. But Councillor Zukovsky, who has been leader of the Wellin Hatfield Council since May, believes that this may have to be his last trip for a while. He says that taking on the leader's role at the Borough Council means his diary is full and would make further trips more difficult. Hello, my name is Samada. Film crews have taken over part of Hertfordshire County Council's landmark County Hall headquarters, but mystery surrounds when the footage will make it to the screen. Last year, Hollywood actor and director George Clooney caused a real stir when he used the ballroom for a scene in his movie, The Boys in the Boat. And the distinctive white arches at the front of the buildings are said to have been used as a backdrop for the TV series Endeavour. But so far, staff at the County Council say they haven't spotted any big name actors visiting the buildings this time.
Nevertheless, lighting rigs, security and crew were based at County Hall last week, complete with a small village of catering vans and supporting vehicles on the former cricket pitch. Filming appears to be focused in the ballroom area, but County Council officials are staying tight-lipped about the detail. There is indeed filming taking place at County Hall, but no famous places, I believe, said a spokesperson for the County Council. From time to time, we rent out parts of our property portfolio as locations for TV and film. Last year, George Clooney used the ballroom at County Hall to film scene for the film The Boys in the Boat. Sadly, under the terms of the contract we have with the production company, we are not permitted to disclose the nature of the filming, so I can't tell you which channel or streaming company it is, what the shows will be called, or who will star in it. The distinctive building appears to be becoming increasingly popular with filmmakers. An executive member for the resources and performance, Councillor Bob Deering, says that income is welcome, directly impacting on the council finances. And to continue that story, we have an increasing media business, said Councillor Deering. I think the penny dropped with us that because of the 1930s characteristics of County Hall, in particular some of the rooms inside, it's potentially a location of some interest to filmmakers. We're definitely promoting County Hall as a location for movies and with some success. Financially, Councillor Deering says the income from film companies is sufficiently interesting for the council to make a concerted effort to get bookings. And there are now council employees who have this as part of their role. We do now have officers and part of their job is to deal with the movie companies and film companies, he said. The revenue is very acceptable and we're happy to have it. It's in the interest of residents because the more revenue we can generate, the less pressure that puts on council tax. The increasing presence of the film industry in the county comes after years of efforts to promote investment in the county by the Local Enterprise Partnership. And LEP Chief Executive Neil Hayes says the challenge now is to ensure that there are people with the skills that the industry needs. The former trustee chair of a decorum and bucks-based hospice has been awarded an OBE after a decade of service. Professor Stephen Spiro, who chaired the board of trustees at Rennie Grove Hospice, was listed to receive the award in the King's Birthday Honours. Professor Spiro, whose clinical background is in respiratory medicine, was chair of Rennie Grove from 2013 until earlier this year. He oversaw huge growth in the charity, from fundraised income to patient services, volunteer numbers and its retail operation. Professor Spiro was nominated for the honour in recognition of his work over many years, which culminated in spearheading the plan to merge with Peace Hospice Care, which was announced last summer. Stuart Marks, Chief Executive of Rennie Grove Peace Hospice Care, paid tribute to Professor Spiro's dedication to the hospice. He said, It's wonderful to see Stephen's work acknowledged in this way. Since becoming the Chair of the Board of Trustees at Rennie Grove Hospice Care, Stephen has guided the organisation through periods of large expansion, as well as steering us through the unprecedented challenges of the COVID-19 pandemic. He leads with care and compassion for all staff, volunteers and people who receive services and support from the charity, as well as a wealth of knowledge and experience from his clinical practice. Our colleagues and patients are all better off thanks to his leadership and we couldn't be more delighted to see this recognised with this honour. Thirteen decorum-based defendants were charged in a court hearing for failing to pay fixed penalty notices linked to the littering. Decorum Borough Council prosecuted 12 offenders caught littering and one person who did not clear up after their dog's mess. All 13 of the offenders were issued fixed penalty notices by the council's contractor, District Enforcement. 
Using the single justice procedure, all defendants were found guilty at Berkshire Magistrates Court. All the offences took place between November and December 2022. Overall, the defendants were ordered to pay fines of 2,500, costs of 2,386 pounds, and victim surcharge costs of 1,000 pounds. Councillor Robin Bromham said, in the constant effort to keep decorum clean, safe and green, it is right to deter littering and dog fouling, backing the great effort made by many residents, volunteer street champions and the staff of decorum clean, safe and green teams. These offences not only harm our environment, but also undermine the quality of life for residents. If you are issued with a fixed penalty notice and are in financial difficulties, please visit our district enforcement webpage as there is advice on what to do if your financial circumstances mean you're unable to pay within the 14-day period. More information on offences enforced by district enforcement and public space protection orders can be found online. District enforcement will issue a fixed penalty notice to anyone they observe or have evidence to support has committed an environmental crime such as dropping litter or failing to clean up after their dog. Labour councillor Sharon Taylor has highlighted the critical danger facing Hertfordshire chalk streams to a meeting of county councillors. Estimates have suggested there are around 200 chalk streams in the world. Yet, 10% of all chalk streams globally sit within Hertfordshire. And at a meeting of the County Council's Sustainable Economic Growth Cabinet Panel, Councillor Taylor highlighted the global importance of the vital habitats. There are less than 200 chalk streams globally, and 10% of those are in Hertfordshire, said Councillor Taylor. So this is a very important natural resource that, that we absolutely have to look after, not just for our county, but for the world. After referencing the rivers Lee, Bean, and the Corn, she said chalk stream were as rare as endangered tropical rainforests. And while she acknowledged the work of musician Freckles Sharkey in supporting them, she said, that more generally, they were not highlighted enough. During the discussion, she pointed to pressures faced by the chalk streams, including overabstraction and pollution. And she said the streams were in critical danger. We all have to keep shouting about this because it is so important to our county, said Councillor Taylor. Councillor Taylor made the remarks as part of a discussion on the County Council's ongoing work to set up a local nature recovery strategy. The chalk streams are acknowledged as providing vital habitats for a range of wildlife, which is said to include water voles and watercress. Hertfordshire Constabulary has revealed that the amount of crime reported in Hemel Hempstead Town Centre has significantly decreased since the launch of a new police operation. Data from the police force shows the number of crimes reported in the town centre has declined by 72% since a new operation started in November 2022. Operation Cross was set up specifically to target criminals in the town centre. Police officers have made 40 arrests since the operation began in November last year, and of those, 34 have resulted in the suspect being charged and remanded. Police checked official databases to uncover the three most targeted businesses in the town. Officers approached these stores, Boots, Wilco and Asda, to develop individual crime prevention plans. They used a combination of both high visibility and plain clothes patrols, and officers used their stop and search powers under the Police and Criminal Evidence Act 1984 to target individuals they suspected of committing shoplifting and drug offences. As a result, two people were found to be carrying knives and Class A drugs were also seized. In addition, they worked in collaboration with colleagues from the Decorum Safer Neighbourhood team and the Operation Scorpion team, as well as town centre traders, Decorum Borough Council and members of the public to build up a picture of prolific offenders and their crime patterns. 
This enabled them to record more than 100 pieces of intelligence, some of which was used to support a search warrant application for a property in the town centre. Officers forced entry to the buildings before seizing suspected stolen goods worth an estimated £150,000 and making several arrests. The investigation remains in progress and is now being led by detectives in the Decorum Local Crime Unit. PC Lucy Hodgson, who is leading the operation, said the motivation behind most shoplifting offences is to sell the stolen goods on to support an addiction, so it's no surprise that these crimes are often directly linked to drug activity. During the operation, we have also dealt with numerous individuals in connection with the possession of weapons and drugs. PC James Watson added, with chronic issues like this, we often need to look at the bigger picture to make a tangible and long-term difference. In this case, we worked with traders to identify and arrest offenders, as well as offer support and advice on how to prevent them from being targeted in the future. The reduction of reported offences can be directly attributed to the good working relationships we have built with partners. Decorum Chief Inspector Jason Keane said, it is important that we are there for local residents and by carrying out this operation, we want to make a long-term positive impact and help make the town a centre, a safer place for the community. Based on its initial success, Operation Cross will continue this proactive approach into the summer. Two companies have announced a long-term leasehold to oversee operations at Hemel Hempstead's main shopping centre. On June 14th, DSBG Riverside HH Limited, a joint venture between Bugler Group and DS Real Estate, confirmed it has taken over the Riverside shopping centre. The partnership plans to rejuvenate the retail outfit. DSBG plans to work with the current set up to improve shopping and hospitality services at the centre. The takeover team highlighted the popular brands already at the venue, which it hopes to build upon. These were TK Maxx, H&M, Next, and the 113-room Premier Inn Hotel. In total, the group has agreed a lease of 270,000 square feet of mixed-use space. Simon Miller, director of DS Real Estate, said, An exciting future lies ahead. We aim to attract new opportunities for Riverside, including an enhanced retail offering and modernising the premises. Savills and Lewis and Partners were involved in brokering the deal and completing the joint venture leasehold. Andy Bugler, chief, group chief executive of Bugler Group, added... We look forward to working with local partners and increasing Hemel's offering to residents and visitors with the regeneration and enhancement of Riverside. Both companies have expressed an interest in acquiring similar large-scale town centre projects. The joint venture has stated it would be interested in hearing about similar opportunities. A man from Hemel Hempstead was fined for allowing a person he hired to dump waste on an A road in Buckinghamshire. Darren Wiltshire, 44, from Hemel Hempstead, pleaded guilty to the offence of failing in his duty of care at a High Wycombe Magistrates Court hearing on 24th of May. On 21st October 2022, a Buckinghamshire Council Enforcement Officer came across a pile of waste dumped illegally in a lay-by on the A412 Denham Road. Following an investigation, the council discovered the source of the waste and that person, having compiled, um, complied with the law, was able to provide the council with the details of Wiltshire, who they had paid legitimately to take the waste away. Wiltshire was interviewed by an, in, an enforcement officer and admitted collecting the waste that was later found dumped. He said he had put the rubbish in the back of a van that he then sold to a third person with the rubbish still inside. He failed to check 
if the new owner of the van was a registered waste carrier and he took no precautions to prevent or deter him from fly tipping the waste. However, the new owner of the van told the council a different story. Ultimately, the local authority believed the 44-year-old was liable for the waste and had a duty of care to stop it being dumped. In court, magistrates fined Wiltshire £603 and ordered him to, play, to pay clean-up and prosecution costs of £1,000. A victim surcharge of £41 was also levied, making a total of £1,644. Councillor Gareth Williams said, this case highlights the need to identify and check the credentials of people who take your waste away and for businesses to keep accurate records of the transfer. This creates a paper trail. On this occasion, the paper trail supported the waste producer and led our investigators to the waste carrier. Fly tipping can be reported to the council on the Fix My Street portal on the local authority's website. Currently, the council is dealing with an unprecedented number of reports relating to road defects and potholes reported on the roads in Buckinghamshire. A man from Berkhamsted has been honoured by the King in recognition of his services to violin making. Colin Garrett, who's 81, has spent roughly 30 years in the profession and has supported a number of charities since taking up the trade. He's been described as the hidden face behind contemporary British lutery. Since retraining as a violin maker in his late 50s, Colin has shown true dedication to the craft. The 81-year-old is credited with setting up the British Violin Making Association, BVMA, membership database, using his legal skills to ensure the archives met with the Data Protection Act. He acted as the BVMA's company secretary for 13 years, assisting the association with book publishing and commercial opportunities. Colin played a vital role in helping the charity release four books. He's also assisted the Rowan Armour Brown RAB Trust. The charity needed his help registering its accounts and Colin's input allowed the not-for-profit venture to support students. It was Colin who led the process of getting the Trust official UK charity status. Observers state that he single-handedly took on that task in 2004. For nearly 20 years, he's collected workshop donations from across the country on behalf of the Trust. He takes the contents home, sorts through the tools, wood, books and instruments to decide what can be sold onto students before driving to colleges to man the next tool sale. Items are sold to students at a very reduced rate and the proceeds made are offered in annual grants to young people. He's made at least two sales for 19 consecutive years. Each year, deserving RAB students receive a copy of BVMA's books on Colin's recommendation. He was tireless in facilitating the grant of special awards by the RAB Trust to encourage young makers with potential and arranging opportunities for them to spend time in professional workshops. He has also acted as a trustee and treasurer of LSF UK, that's Luthier Sans Frontières, since 2016, which he guided to charitable status. He has donated funds and also has secured funding from various organisations to support LSF UK projects. The charity offers training to some of the poorest countries. Decorum Borough Council has announced a series of events to celebrate the Windrush generation in Hemel Hempstead. As part of national celebrations to commemorate the 75th anniversary of moving to the UK, the Council has laid on a series of public events. Today, Thursday, June 22nd, marks 75 years since the HMT Empire Windrush arrived at Tilbury Docks. Since the first ship arrived, the Windrush generation has evolved to encompass anyone who moved from the Caribbean to the UK between 1948 and 1971. Between the 22nd and 24th of June, the Council has organised a series of free-related events. 
a flag-raising ceremony took place today at 11 o'clock at the Walled Garden in Gatebridge Park, when special readings completed, were completed during the ceremony. The Hall of Fame exhibition, which followed, was facilitated by the No Ordinary Bookshop Mobile Museum Unit at 12 of Marlowe's, at number 12 Marlowe's Shopping Centre, and which ran until 3 o'clock today. People who visited the Mobile Museum would have seen a display dedicated to those who arrived on the HMT Empire Windrush in 1948 and subsequent years. And tomorrow, Late morning, a storytelling session has been organised at Hemel Hempstead Library between 11.15am and 11.45am, which will showcase books by black authors. These books are now on display at the library until 25th June. And also tomorrow evening, a special screening of the story of Sam King has been organised at the Old Town Hall on Hemel High Street. And to continue, Sam arrived in the UK via HMT Windrush and went on to become a high-profile human rights campaigner. He was one of the founders of the Windrush Foundation, which highlights African-Caribbean people's integral contributions to British society and culture. It also tackles discrimination and tackles inequality in the UK. Sam's son, the Reverend Michael King, will be at the screening, which starts at 7pm, as a guest speaker. Ticketing information can be found on the Old Town Hall website, oldtownhall.co.uk. At Gaybridge Park, the following day, the Windrush generation will be celebrating via the medium of music from 11 until 3, presentations, exhibition, learning boards, and a range of games of African, Jamaican and Caribbean origin will be taking place. Yvonne Davis, MBE, founder of the ICANE Foundation, which is partnering with the council to deliver the event, said it has been 75 years since the arrival of the troop ship, the HMT Empire Windrush, at Tilbury Docks on the 22nd of June, 1948. It's time to reflect the then and the now, the perseverance, the resilience, the determination of the Windrush generation, Caribbean men and women from 1948-1971, battled against so many daily challenges of racism. In spite of the challenges, they demonstrated their love for their mother country and their willingness to help rebuild Great Britain. They have enriched British society with their spirit of excellence in all sectors of society. Let us commemorate and celebrate their achievement. More details can be found on the Council's website, decorum.gov.uk. Now, this week in history. June the 22nd, 1941, the German army invaded Russia. On this day last year, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge attended the unveiling of a national monument in one of London's biggest train stations to celebrate the dreams and courage of the Windrush generation. June the 23rd, 1956, General Nasser became Egypt's first president after an election in which voting was compulsory and he was the only candidate. June the 24th, 1947, the series of flying saucer stories started when a pilot, Kenneth Arnold, reported seeing nine disc-shaped objects over Mount Rainier in Washington. On this day last year, Billie Eilish made history when she performed on the Pyramid stage at Glastonbury as the festival's youngest solo headliner. June the 25th, 1969, Pancho Gonzalez and Charlie Passarell played a record 112-game singles match at Wimbledon, lasting 5 hours, 12 minutes. Gonzalez, aged 41, won. June the 26, 1962, a young American tennis player, Billie Jean Moffat, 18, knocked out top seed Margaret Smith, the match that began Billie Jean King's long reign at Wimbledon. 
June the 27th, 1954, the first nuclear power station opened at Obinesk in Russia. On this day last year, the UK promised 25 million pounds to help found a new international fund to prevent or prepare for future pandemics. There's a call for a 20 mile an hour speed limit to be set around schools. And the call is made by Break, the road safety charity, and they're calling for a 20 mile an hour speed limit to be implemented around all schools in the UK. Now, why are they asking for this? Two reasons. First, 48 children died on the UK roads in 2022, and excess speed is a factor in 25% of fatal crashes. And secondly, when parents were asked for reasons for not their, walking their child to school, 36% of them say the road's too busy, and 25% of them say the traffic is too fast. And as a background to that, 64% of parents say that their school doesn't have 20 mile an hour speed limits on all roads near the school. Staff at hospitals in West Hertfordshire could now wear new lanards to identify their roles in a bid to end gender, gender stereotyping. Too often, according to leading clinicians, people make assumptions about the medical role people have based on gender. But the new lanards clearly identify who is a consultant, doctor or advanced practitioner, and they are designed to overcome any gender-based assumptions that could impact on real-life emergency situations. The lanyards have already been introduced by the West Hearts Teaching Hospitals Trust, which operates Watford General, Hemel Hempstead and St Albans City Hospitals. And they have been welcomed by Dr Rachel Hoey, who is Emergency Department Consultant and Divisional Director at the Trust. People still frequently make assumptions about someone's role based on their gender, said Dr Hoey. We hope these lanyards will make a difference for our colleagues because they identify the varied clinical roles that staff have in our hospitals. They also make it easy to spot the most senior clinicians. This really helps in emergency situations such as cardiac arrests, which requires a multidisciplinary team response. The new lanyards were highlighted to the latest meeting of the West Hertfordshire Teaching Hospitals Trust Board. And according to a report presented by board chair Phil Townsend, they will ensure female doctors are easily identified as doctors by staff and patients. A selection of lanyards that allow for swift and accurate recognition of medical staff has been made available to the trust by members of the End Sexism in Medicine Network, says the report. This is essential in critical situations such as a cardiac arrest. These lanyards identify different roles such as consultant, doctor or advanced practitioner. They will also ensure female doctors are easily identified as doctors by staff and patients, an issue which has recently been discussed in the network's workshops. I would like to thank the network for their support of our clinical staff. A local nature recovery strategy is being drawn up by the County Council in a bid to create or improve habitats around Hertfordshire. The County Council is one of 50 local authorities nationwide that have been tasked with designing strategies that could make the biggest change. And as part of the work, they will identify locations to create or improve habitat, most likely to provide the greatest benefit for nature and the wider environment. At a meeting of the Council's Sustainable Economic Growth Cabinet Panel on Wednesday, 14th of June, councillors heard that owners or managers of the land identified will not be forced to make any changes, but it was reported that the government would instead be encouraging action through other means, such as opportunities for funding and investment. As well as enabling a biodiversity increase for biodiversity's sake, the work will map sites where recovery or enhancement of biodiversity can contribute towards other environmental benefits. That will include the identification and mapping of nature-based solutions, including 
natural flood risk management, carbon sequestration, cleaner air, reducing water pollution, and low carbon energy generation. And ultimately, it should lead to the launch of a publicly accessible, multi-layered online map tool. That tool, it was reported to councillors, would allow users to identify where the greatest gains could be delivered. And it would, according to the report, optimise the selection of locations for future projects that provide the greatest outcome for, nat for nature and the county. As well as being used within the planning process, the strategy could support the identification of opportunities and funding streams to maximise opportunities for biodiversity net gain, farming incentives and environmental net gain initiatives more generally. Councillors heard that the County Council was required to set up a Hearts Nature Recovery Partnership to oversee the preparation and delivery of the strategy. The councillors were told possible members of the partnership board could include organisations such as the Hearts and Middlesex Wildlife Trust, the Hearts Growth Board, the Hertfordshire Leaders Group, Chamber of Commerce, Association of Parish and Town Councils, and the Health and Wellbeing Board. Now we come to the information slot. This is followed by the obituaries, what's on and any more news. If you're thinking of a holiday this year, you could stay in the heart of Tynmouth in Devon. With its beautiful gardens, a short stroll to the Blue Flag Beach and easily accessible location to the A38 and M5, the Clifton in Tynmouth is the perfect location for your Devon adventure this summer. The hotel has been managed by Action for Blind People since 2001 and is pet friendly. There's still time to book your summer stay. Rates start from £135, bed and breakfast, and are based on two adults sharing a room. If you're interested, phone 01626 770 or you can email reservations at Clifton Hotel, that's all one word, spelt C-L-I-F-F-D-E-N, H-O-T-E-L dot com. Decorum's Talking Newspaper has thanked its secretary for 40 years of dedicated service as she steps down. On Saturday, 10th of June, the Decorum Talking Newspaper held their AGM. After all the formalities of the AGM business, DTN Chairman Bob made a presentation to outgoing secretary Audrey Mackey. Audrey has been involved with the Decorum Talking newspaper for over 40 years and has been its secretary for many of the last 40 years, although a spokesman admitted nobody can actually remember exactly how many. Audrey has been the backbone of the DTN and has seen many changes along the way, a spokesman said. Audrey later in the year will also have a significant birthday that includes a letter from His Majesty the King. Bob recapped on all that Audrey has done and wished her well before announcing that she will be DTN's honorary president. With the changeover of the DTN secretary to Martin Wilson, the number to call now is 927-122 and leave a message. The obituaries in the Gazette this week are... Madge Hohi, aged 83 years, who passed away on 13th of June 2023. The funeral service at North Watford Cemetery Chapel is on 5th of July 2023 at 11.30am. Richard Youngs, aged 74, who passed away on 15th of May 2023 and the funeral is at Beerton Crematorium at 11am on 29th of June 2023. May all rest in peace. Trustee notices. Pursuant to the Trustee Act 1925, any persons having a claim against or an interest in the estate of Hazel Betty Smith, deceased, late of Ashland's residential home, Berkhamstead, and formerly of 8 Dunsley Place, London Road, Tring, 
who died on 4th of December 2022, I request to send a written uh, to send written particulars to Matthew Waite and Company, Ariel House, Frogmore Street, Tring, HP 23 5AU by the 22nd of August 2023. A second trustee notice this week. Pursuant to the Trustee Act 1925, any persons having a claim against or an interest in the estate of William George Final, deceased, late of Cornerways, Henry Street, Hemel Hempstead, who died on 28th of February 2023, are requested to send written particulars to Mark Final, the London Gazette, in brackets, 33689, P.O. Box 3584, Norwich, NR7, 7WD, by the 1st of September, 2023. And now, what's on? At the theatre, uh, Rush is a joyous Jamaican journey. At the Grove Theatre in Dunstable, and it's on June the 28th, the narrated musical tells the story of reggae music and the Windrush generation, showing how the music took the world by storm. Visit grovetheatre.co.uk to book. And also at the theatre, The Ocean at the End of the Lane, at Milton Keynes Theatre, June 27th to July 1st. From the imagination of Neil Gaiman, best-selling author of Coraline, Good Omens and the Sandman, comes the National Theatre's major new stage adaptation of The Ocean at the End of the Lane. The show, from the producers of War Horse and the curious incident of the dog in the nighttime, is an adventure of fantasy, myth and friendship, taking audiences on an epic journey to a childhood once forgotten, and the darkness that lurks at the very edge of it. Visit atgtickets.com forward slash Milton Keynes to book. And another theatre offering, Private Lives at the Roman Theatre St Albans from June 23rd to August 19th. Noel Cowd's beloved 1930s comedy of manners tells the glamorous, rich and reckless Elliot and Amanda who were once married, now honeymooning with new spouses at the same hotel in the south of France. They meet by chance across adjoining hotel balconies. They are horrified, then fascinated, and before long they are sharing cocktails and serenades. Caring nothing for scandal, they elope to Amanda's Paris apartment, but after days of being reunited, they again find their fiery romance alternating between extremes of love and anger. Director Adam Nichol said, Private Lives is very funny, but it also contains some dark, profound moments and beautifully drawn three-dimensional characters. Visit ovo.org dot uk to book films at the cinema this week include asteroid city a comedy drama jesus revolution a drama no hard feelings a comedy greatest days a drama the flash an action movie transformers rise of the beasts an action movie Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, an action movie. The Little Mermaid, Disney. All popular films are provided to cinemas with an audio description track. Please mention your requirements at the time of booking. If comedy is your bag, we're coming up to the time of Tring's answer to the fringe, The Tringe, from Saturday, July the 2nd to the 22nd. A wonderful mixture of previews and warm-ups of the best comedy shows mixed in with spoken word events, children's shows and more. You can contact get-stuffed.biz, B-I-Z, that is, forward slash tringe, T-R-I-N-G-E, for the programme lineup. You can buy tickets online at tringefestival, all one word, with an E just after tring, .co.uk, or at 
our bookshop in the High Street in Tring, and the venue is the Court Theatre in Station Road in Tring. And if music is your thing, Saturday 1st of July, Tring Choral Society Summer Concert, Dvorak, Mass in D and Rutter, Psalmfest, at St. Peter and St. Paul's Church, Tring, at 7.30pm. Contact tringchoral.org.uk and tickets are £17.50. Friday, 7th of July, Totally Tribute at Tring Rugby Pitchers, Cow Lane, Tring. Contact chillfest.co.uk. And on Sunday, 9th July, Piano and More, St. Peter and St. Paul Church in Tring, 3 to 4 p.m. Helen Godbolt Cello Recital. Free entry, but donations to expenses welcome. Contact piano-and-more.org.uk. Get in the swing and sing. Following on from the success of its spring concert, Berkhamsted Choral Society is inviting new members to join the throng. The choir performs three concerts a year and goes on an annual tour this year in France. An audience of around 240 people enjoyed the last concert at St Peter's Church, which was supported by members of the English Philharmonia. The next concert will be held on Saturday 2nd of September, again at St Peter's, and will include Mozart's Missa Brevis and other choral classics. Rehearsals are held at 8pm every Tuesday evening at Swingate Infant School. No experience is necessary, just a love of music and an interest in singing. No audition necessary. See Berkhamsted Choral, all one word, dot com, or email berkhamsteadcssecretary at gmail.com. And now for some local sports news. New Berkhamsted boss Steve Heath has been busy getting his squad ready for their first season in the Southern Premier League Premier Division Central. He has raided his old club, AFC Dunstable, for ever-present centre-back Sam McClelland and goalkeeper Jamie Head, who won a trio of Player of the Year awards at Creasy Park last season. He has also brought back from AFC a couple of players who have been with Berko before in midfielder Jordan Frederick, who has had several spells with the comrades dating back to 2011, and Louis Collier, who played half a dozen times for Berko in 2018-2019 season and was AFC's top scorer in Division 1 last season. Another returning to Berko is Max Busterman, who was once a prolific goal scorer in Berko's under-14 side and has played at this level before with Kings Langley and Royston. Defender Nan, uh, Dan Newton has joined from Biggleswade Football Club and is another one to have played at this level with Royston. Heath has also captured Aylesbury United's Player of the Year midfielder Mark Riddick. A trio of Berko's side from last season have chosen to stay at step four, where travelling commitments aren't as demanding. Midfielder Adam Watkins and defender Ben Walster have gone to Bedford Town to play under ex-Hemmel and Berko boss Lee Burcham, where top scorer JJ Lacey has followed outgoing Berko boss Chris Devan to Biggleswade Town, where he's now assistant manager. Berkhamsted Swimming Club's youngsters were again in fine form at the Terry Davies Alternative Nationals meet hosted by Watford Swimming Club. A total of 20 swimmers attended, and just about all of them came away with huge improvements and a whole host of medals. Busiest swimmer with eight events was Poppy Audrey, who won gold in the 100-metre free, silver in the 50-metre free, and bronze in the 50-metre breast, as well as securing several personal bests 
including in her 200 metres free by over 11 seconds to win her heat. News in brief. You may remember we read an article from the spring edition of Living Berkhamsted about Sarah Marshall's attempt to retain her Bowls World Champion title. Well, she did it. Sarah won the B2 category for bowlers with limited sight. And we're sure you'll agree, an amazing achievement. Kitchener's Bowls Club celebrates 100 years of bowling in Berkhamsted this year. The club was formed in 1923 under the name of Coopers. It was one of many industrial clubs in the area and named after Cooper McDoodle and Robertson Limited, a local veterinary business well known for producing chemical sheep dips. As part of the celebrations, the club will be running an invitation-only open triples gala on 10th of June, a centenary match will then be held on the 1st of July, when other clubs will be invited to join in the celebration. When Coopers was taken over by the Welcome Foundation, the club changed its name to Welcome. It was then sold to Roussel Euclid in 1993. It had another change of name in 1996, when it was taken over by Agrivo, which then closed the site down. The members then leased the bowling green from Berkhamsted School and decided to call the club Kitcheners after the playing field in 1998. The club's most accomplished member so far is Fred Winfield, who played for England in 1953. If anyone is interested in playing bowls, they can email brian.rumpf, that's R-U-M-P-A-H, at btinternet.com The Dense Castle Walk returns. Backed by popular demand on Saturday the 1st of July, this charity walk is the perfect summer's day out for all members of the family, including four-legged friends. Whether you are a serious stepper or a roving rambler, there's something for everyone with a choice of two, five and ten mile routes. Take in the beautiful Chiltern countryside and picturesque villages while showing your support for Dens to rebuild the lives of vulnerable people in the community. Most people know Dens as the homeless charity for people in decorum, but it does much more than just provide a roof and a bed. It's the first port of call for people in decorum who are facing homelessness, poverty and social exclusion to support and empower them to take the next positive step in their lives, secure and maintain a long-term housing option, and be an active member of their community. The charity ensures individuals have access to temporary and short-term accommodation, emergency, emergency food and provisions. Register now at dens.org.uk forward slash walk. More news items include this one. A former pupil at Longdean School in Hemel has been appointed as the UK's new ambassador to Yemen. British authorities have appointed lawyer and diplomat Abda Sharif, who will take up the pr prestigious position in September. The former Hemel pupil, who originally hails from Yorkshire, will replace Richard Oppenheim, who will move to another diplomatic role. Prior to this, Ms. Sharif was head of the Iraq and Arabian Peninsula Department in the Middle East and North Africa Directorate at the Foreign, Commonwealth and Development Office. Between 2012 and 2016, she served as Deputy Ambassador to Lebanon, while in 2011, she led the UK office in Benghazi in Libya. An ambassador represents the King and the UK government in the country to which they're appointed. They're responsible for the direction of the embassy and its work, including political work, trade and investment, press and cultural relations, and other consular services. Ms. Sharif's appointment comes at a time as the United Nations steps up pressure on the Yemeni government and the Islamist political organization, the Houthis, to reach an agreement to end the long-running civil war. 
Extensive international efforts have so far failed to persuade the Houthis to renew a long-term ceasefire after a temporary truce expired in October, or to end their drone and missile attacks on oil facilities in government-run provinces, which have halted exports and, consequently, compromised the country's main source of income. Hertfordshire welcomes its largest cohort of newly trained police officers in recent years. The chief constable said it was the largest graduation of officers he could remember. Over 30 newly trained police officers, the largest number in recent years, have been welcomed into Hertfordshire Constabulary. Family and friends of the 18 women and 17 men helped celebrate the completion of their initial training at police headquarters in Welling Garden City earlier this month. He told them, I take a great deal of pride in seeing so many of you here, and this is the largest graduation of officers that I can remember. You're at the cusp of applying your training, delivering policing services across Hertfordshire. Of those graduated, 31 have started their careers via the initial police learning and development programme, the traditional entry route to train to be a police officer over two years, while four officers are training to be detectives on the accelerated detective constable programme, a year of intensive and practical training, followed by three placements while training to become a detective. The force is currently taking applications for different police officer training courses. Visit the Hearts Police Career website, heartspoliceofficer.co.uk, for information and how to apply. Helen Hempstead MP has slammed national highways over the maintenance of the UK's motorways, labelling it a national disgrace. Sir Mike Penning led a Westminster Hall debate on the issue of litter on the motorways based on work he's completed with Clean Up Britain. After working with the national charity, the former Roads Minister has said, it is abundantly clear the problem is getting worse and it is, to be honest, a national embarrassment. Sir Penning has outlined four changes he wants the government to adopt to help clean up the UK's motorways. One, establish a specific top-level key performance indicator for litter on national highways. Two, support the development of AI software cameras that can identify people who throw litter from vehicles. Three, increase fines for littering on motorways. And four, use prisoners to help clear litter from motorways. The 65-year-old MP believes National Highways is failing to monitor the performance of its contractors. National Highways states littering is a priority for the organisation. A spokesman said, Littering is a social problem across the country and our priority, working closely with our partners, is to keep our roads safe and well-maintained for both drivers and neighbouring communities. We regularly carry out litter-picking activities across our motorways as part of our wider programme of maintenance, at a cost of millions of pounds each year. Sir Penning did acknowledge that Highways England collected over 1.2 million bags of litter from motorways in 2022, but asserted that nobody... Sorry, but asserted that the body must do more. He added... Litter is not only unsightly, but it also impacts the environment, wildlife habitats and public safety. For example, litter can block drains and cause flooding, which can harm wildlife and be a hazard to motorists. In 2021, there were 1,700 reported incidents of litter-related accidents on motorways, resulting in 10 deaths and 120 injuries. We are coming to the end of this week's news. Sunrise and sunset times for this weekend are 04.44 and 21.26. Don't forget, for those with access to the internet, our news is uploaded to our website soon after the recording each week on Thursday evening. This can be found by visiting dtnhemel.org.uk. For those who are listening to this week's news and memory stick, 
Please remove your primary stake carefully from the player and return it to us in the patch provided. Turn the label over and post it back to us using any Royal Mail post box. No stamp is required. Thank you for listening. Until next time, it's goodbye from all your readers, the editor, and Andrew, your technician for this week.